We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 699 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Hey, remember how bad the Denver Broncos were? It was in week three that the Broncos fell to 0 3 in this 2023 NFL regular season with a 70 20 loss at the Miami Dolphins. That was one week after the Commanders won at the Broncos 35-33. Well, the Broncos now have won four of their last six games, a 24-22 win at the Buffalo Bills on Monday night football. Broncos kicker Will Lutz, a 36-yard field goal as time expired. Broncos corner and former Washington corner Fabian Moreau, He had a late second quarter interception. Things for an NFL team over the course of a season can change quite a bit. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. So the Broncos have gone from 0-3 to 4-5. The Commanders have gone from 2-0 to 4-6. Their defense is the number one reason why. Coming up next segment, I'm going to talk Commander's defense off comments from head coach Ron Rivera at his day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon. The defense are quite bad in the Commander's 29-26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Uh, Ron did address the play of interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, two guys who I do not think are getting enough attention for them this season, not having been what they could be. So we'll get into that and a lot more. I'm then going to talk Commander's offense off what Ron had to say about that, including more on quarterback Sam Howell's very good performance in the loss at the Seahawks, and a lot on this issue, or should I say perceived issue, uh, of assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy not calling enough running plays. Uh, This is coming up a lot. Ron on Monday afternoon got asked about this a lot. Uh, I have a lot to say about this. Uh, And I am then going to address Ron on Sunday not going for two after the 35-yard touchdown reception by receiver Deami Brown with 52 seconds left in the fourth quarter to cut the commander's deficit to 26-25. Did Ron 
make the right call. Now, of course, the call did not end up mattering with the commanders allowing (laughs) the Seahawks to march right down the field to kick the game-winning field goal, but that's not the point. Uh, Also on the show, (laughs) a tremendous choke job of a loss by our Wizards. As our friend Stephen A. Smith of ESPN once said, the damn Washington Wizards. Yes, thank you, Stephen A. Uh, a 111-107 Wizards loss at the Toronto Raptors on Monday night. The Wizards in this game blew a 23-point third quarter lead. The Wizards allowed the Raptors to end the game on a 16 Oh, run. <laughs> this game was something. Uh, before we get to some feedback, the expected now is official. Orioles third baseman slash shortstop Gunnar Henderson is the 2023 American League Rookie of the Year. We got the announcement on Monday evening. Got the announcement from perhaps the greatest Oriole ever. Hall of Fame shortstop slash third baseman Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, he delivered the news. Uh, Gunnar Henderson won American League Rookie of the Year in unanimous fashion. He received all 30 first place votes cast by members of the Baseball Writers Association of America. First Orioles player to win American League Rookie of the Year since closer Greg Olson in 1989. Uh, It had been a while. Uh, Gunnar Henderson for the 2023 regular season, what was his age 22 season, ranked first among all American League rookies in wins above replacement per baseball reference, wins above replacement per fan graphs, home runs, triples, RBI, and run scored. He last Thursday evening won the American League Silver Slugger Award uh, for the utility position. Uh, a tremendous season, a tremendous player. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Kendall Coates with the subject line, Go Mandos. <laughs> Writes Kendall, I can't show the wife, but I wanted to show someone. Keep up the great work, Al. Uh, Thank you for that, Kendall. And Kendall, in his email, includes a screen grab of a winning trio of bets on Commander Seahawks. Kendall took the Manders plus the five and a half. He took the Seahawks money line and he took the over on 44 and a half. We call that a profitable game, Kendall. Nicely done. You know, when I first read from Kendall, I can't show the wife, but I wanted to show someone. I wasn't sure what (laughs) was going to be in that email. Uh, Email from Rich Poland with some behind-the-scenes commander's intel for us. Uh, The intel has to do with what interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen said about Sam Howell uh, after the 2017 win at the New England Patriots in Week 9. Quote, Sam Howell is like he's our future, he's our quarterback, and I think we found our next quarterback for the 5-10 years, and I truly believe that. End quote. Writes Rich, I splurged for third-row seats behind the commander's bench in Seattle, and next to me, was John Allen's wife, who could not have been sweeter. She was there with her mom. John's wife made it clear that the faith that John Allen expressed in Sam is real. His teammates think that he is the guy. I thought that he on Sunday was exceptional against the first-rate secondary. Thought that you might appreciate a unique perspective. Uh, Thank you for the email, Rich. I do appreciate that perspective. That was a really strong endorsement that John Allen gave of Sam Howell now two Sundays ago. And John did not have to do that. And I don't think that he would have done that if he didn't mean that. 
Uh, email from Marlon G on the NFL perhaps having it in <laughs> for the commanders, writes Marlon. How come New York called down to the officials to impact what happened with Emmanuel Forbes, but yet versus the Eagles on that catch by Devontae Smith, New York did not call down. Seems like the league is still against us. Uh, thank you. For the email, Marlin. Yeah, so what Marlin is referring to is the first quarter ejection of quarter Emmanuel Forbes in the loss at the Seahawks. Forbes got hit with the 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty and then all of a sudden was ejected from the game. And the referee for the game, Alex Kemp, he, after the game, told Commanders Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post, Nikki was serving as the pool reporter, uh, that the ejection of Forbes was done with the assistance of New York, i.e. the NFL's league office in New York City. And yes, it was in the uh, 38-31 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 8 that we had on a third quarter, fourth and four for the Eagles at the Commanders 45. The Commanders giving up a 17-yard reception by receiver Devontae Smith, who did not make the catch, but the pass was ruled as a completion. And Ron Rivera did not challenge the play. Ron should have challenged that play. Now, New York in-game is not supposed to weigh in on a play like that, but You know, you think about these two moments that I just mentioned, then you throw in the ridiculous third quarter 15-yard roughing the passer penalty on edge defender K.J. Henry, negating a sack strip in the win at the Pats. And yeah, it does feel like a lot of officiating stuff has gone against our team in recent weeks. But of course, that probably is something that every fan of every NFL team says every day. Well, perhaps the commanders should hire Paulson and Nace to take on NFL officiating. Paulson and Nace, it is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202 902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. And Chris Nace and Matt Nace specifically are dedicated and decorated trial attorneys. Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the Parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. And both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by Best Lawyers in America for 2024. Why the accolades? Well, Paulson and Nace fights for you. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202 902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact 
Paulson and Nace. Hey, please consider following the podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. So Washington 10 games into its 2023 regular season is 4-6. If this feels familiar, that's because it is. Uh, This is the fourth time over the last Nine seasons that Washington is four and six, 10 games into a regular season 2015, 2017, 2021, and now 2023. If we know anything, it is four and six. Uh, Commander's head coach Rod Rivera, he did a day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon off the 29 26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday to fall two, yes, four and six. Uh, I want to spend this segment talking about. The commander's defense. You know, it's odd. For a good chunk of that loss at the Seahawks, it was the commander's defense that was keeping the team in the game, and it was the offense that was letting the team down. But by the end of the game, the exact opposite was true. The commander's offense had played well enough to win, and the commander's defense had fallen apart. The commanders ultimately allowed the Seahawks to generate 489 total net yards of offense and to average 6.61 yards per play. The Commanders allowed Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith to have a yards per pass attempt of 7.85 and to have two touchdown passes versus no interceptions. Uh, The trend for Washington over its first three seasons with Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator was the defense getting off to a bad start, but then getting better. Uh, Well, we this season had a fourth bad start for the defense in four seasons under Jack, but uh, the getting better part is not happening. Uh, And we're now 10 games into the Commander's 17-game regular season, and the team, of course, has traded its top two edge defenders in Montez Sweat and Chase Young. This was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on the performance of the Commander's defense in the loss at the Seahawks. Well, the biggest thing more than anything else, and, and I kind of felt it yesterday and, and kind of got a chance to look at it and, and look at some of the numbers. And, you know, we got to be better on, on first and second down situations. Um, we put ourselves in a couple of really good third down situations and we were able to convert and we held them four for 14. Um, but, yeah, there were, there were some first and second down things that we got to get better at. And, you know, it's collectively we have to be better overall. You know, we're playing a, a, a number of different guys now, um, you know, especially after last week. And there's there's some cohesion that has to come. You know, guys have got to come together and work together. And so it's it's a little bit of that more than is anything else. But again, it's it's collective. We all have to be better. Uh, yes, you do. Uh, but you know, with what Ron Rivera said there about guys needing to get used to playing with each other, I mean, the defense was bad before the commanders traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young. That's a big reason why the commanders traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young. The commanders need more from their top two interior defensive linemen, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Neither guy is having the kind of season that he's capable of having. All of the Montez, Sweat, and Chase Young talk has allowed John and Deron to escape the scrutiny that they should be undergoing. Now, I don't think that it's right to say that John and Deron have been bad this season, but I do think that it's right to say that John and Deron have not been at their best this season. John Allen had been really good in each of the last two seasons. Deron Payne was really good last season. Neither guy has played 
at that high level this season. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on the play of John Allen and Deron Payne in the loss at the Seahawks. I thought they had their moments. You know, again, one of the things that you have to work on is getting to fill with the guys that you're you're rushing with, and and for them, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a change, obviously. So they've got to continue to work with these guys, develop the, this rapport that you need as far as rushing and and being in the lanes. Um, I think they both were very stout and physical against the the, the run made some plays for us when we needed them. Um, again, I think their pass rush, obviously, is as they get more and more comfortable with these guys, I, I think we, we'll see this as a unit pick up and you know be there and, be there and, and create opportunities. Yeah, the lack of pass rushing production from John Allen and Deron Payne this season has been the problem with those guys more than anything. Put aside sacks, because sacks can be flukish. Let's look at quarterback hits. Uh, John and Deron last regular season combined for 37 quarterback hits. John and Duran this regular season have combined for just 17 quarterback hits. And again, we're now 10 games into the team's 17-game regular season. Uh, in terms of playing time for Commander's defensive linemen in the loss at the Seahawks, uh, what was game number two for the Commanders off them trading Montez Sweat and Chase Young? John Allen played on 83% of the commander's defensive snaps, Deron Payne, 79%, Casey Tuhill, 75%, F.A. Obata, 62%, John Ridgway, 38%, James Smith-Williams, just 30%. He in the game dealt with a hamstring injury. Uh, Fedarian Mathis, 22%, Andre Jones Jr., 20%, K.J. Henry, 15%. Uh, the commanders, again, played just three linebackers on defense. Jamin Davis played on 100% of the commander's defensive snaps. David Mayo, 78%. Khalid Hudson, 10%. And then with the commander's secondary, uh, well, corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr., he played on uh, just 6% of the commander's defensive snaps due to getting ejected in the first quarter. Four commander's defensive backs each played on 100% of the team's defensive snaps. Corners Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller and safeties Cameron Curl and Percy Butler. It was corner Danny Johnson who got Emmanuel Forbes snaps. Johnson played on 60% of the commander's defensive snaps, and defensive back Juan Martin played on 22% of the commander's defensive snaps. The secondary, of course, has been a big part of what has been the biggest problem for the commander's defense this season, the giving up of the explosive play. We, in that loss at the Seahawks, had a whopper of an explosive play given up by the Commanders, a third-quarter 64-yard under-center play-action touchdown pass by Geno Smith to running back Kenneth Walker the third on a short pass on which Danny Johnson stumbled and Walker blew through an attempted tackle by Percy Butler and generating 64 yards after the catch. This was a 64-yard touchdown pass on which the recipient of the pass, Kenneth Walker the third, generated 64 yards after the catch. Consider this, the commanders for this regular season are allowing an average of 5.78 yards per play. The league average for yards allowed per play this regular season through games on Sunday was 5.24. So the commanders are allowing more than half of a yard more per play than the league average. That is significant and not in a good way. And that speaks to the commanders having given up way too many explosive plays. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on the Commanders this season continually giving up explosive plays. Well, I think a lot of it 
when you look at it, goes to, to really a collective thing. And, and more than anything else, is it's, it's guys doing the things that they need to do, us putting them in the position to have success. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we as a whole haven't done the things that we needed to do at the right time. I mean, it's, it's difficult because we've had opportunities to win football games. And, and, and part of it is, too, is taking advantage of the, uh, the, the takeaway battle. I mean, we, we've, we've had balls that have been out there that we just we didn't, we didn't finish it up. I mean, we missed a couple of opportunities to have a couple of interceptions yesterday that you know, was disappointing. And, and so we've got to continue to battle and get better at it. Yeah, Deron Payne had a dropped interception on Sunday, but the lack of takeaways has little to do with the giving up of explosive plays. In the same way that sacks were the number one problem for the commander's offense, the giving up of explosive plays is the number one problem for the commander's defense. Now, the commanders over their last three games have drastically lessened the sack problem, and not so coincidentally, the offense in each of the last three games has been good to varying degrees. We're still waiting on the commander's defense to drastically lessen the problem that is the giving up of the explosive play. Uh, Also with the commander's defense in the loss at the Seahawks were the penalties. The commander's defense committed five of the team's six accepted penalties in the game. Two of those penalties were by Benjamin St. Juice on his nightmare of a drive in the fourth quarter. The commander's defense on the Seahawks' 11th offensive drive imploded with three costly penalties. The drive resulted in the Geno Smith second and goal five-yard shotgun sprint out touchdown pass to receiver Tyler Lockett with 347 left in the fourth quarter. Lockett on the play beat Benjamin St. Juice, who had a horrendous drive. Uh, Eighth snap of the drive on a fourth and five For the Seahawks at the Commanders 39, St. Juice committed a six-yard defensive pass interference penalty and covering receiver DK Metcalf. Then we on the very next snap, ninth snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Seahawks at the Commanders 33, had the Commanders committing a five-yard too many men on field penalty, completely inexcusable. And then on the 11th snap of the drive, under first and 10 for the Seahawks at the Commanders 12, Benjamin St. Juice committed a four-yard face mask penalty in tackling Kenneth Walker III on a four-yard under center handoff run. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on how he handles Benjamin St. Juice off a really tough drive like that one. Well, you let them work through it for the most part. You just tell them just continue to compete. I mean, it's tough because for as much, you know, for, for the penalty they called on him, you know, to, to, to sit there and, and look at as much contact as, as being allowed, you know, you, you, you almost wonder, you know, why would that be called at that time? I mean, compared to some of them that weren't. I've got about three or four that I'm going to send in and ask if I can get explanations on these as to why they weren't called or why they were called. Um, just so I can see if, you know, where the consistency is. And, and right now, there's not a lot of consistency in, 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 the, in, in the calls that are being made or not made for that matter. Ron Rivera not happy with the officials regarding the Benjamin St. Jude's defensive pass interference penalty on Sunday, but there was enough there for that to be called a penalty. St. Juice is handsy. Uh, St. Juice is touchy-feely, okay? He puts himself at risk for getting called for defensive pass interference, and sure enough, he got called. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on what St. Juice could have done better on the snap that resulted in his defensive pass interference penalty. Well, I think for the most part is just the fact that there was contact. Um, the the thing I struggle with is if you look at it, you'll see that the receiver puts his hand on him just as much. 
you know, and, and again, it's, it's as you sit there and you talk about, is he getting an edge? At what point are, are, are the, um, is, is the contact leading to an individual having an advantage over the other? That was one of the criteria that when I was on the, um, on the coaches committee that we talked about that needs to be one of the, one of the criteria. So whether you have a penalty or not, for as much contacts being allowed and hand fighting that's being allowed, if a guy's getting a true advantage, well, that ball was thrown high and away, and I'm not sure if anybody had an advantage right there when that ball was thrown. Well, look, Ron Rivera can complain about the officiating. We can quibble with the officiating, but there's a bigger picture here that cannot be ignored. This 2023 Commander's defense, which was supposed to be good, if not great, has been really bad. And the irony could end up being that Ron Rivera this season actually has figured out what has been his number one problem as Washington head coach quarterback. But the thing that Ron is supposed to know best, defense, is what is letting him down and what ultimately could cost him his job. Well, if you have a big event that you're planning and you want a good job done at the event, uh, go with Catering by Uptown. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit CateringByUptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event waitstaff. Uh, no experience necessary, and you get paid in-house training, a great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit CateringByUptown.com. That's CateringByUptown.com. And make sure that you mentioned that Al Galdi sent you. All right, let's talk commander's offense off head coach Ron Rivera's a day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon off the 29-26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday afternoon. So this was a third consecutive big game for commander's quarterback Sam Howell. He went 29-44 for 312 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. He took three sacks. He had two carries for 17 yards. Did have a loss fumble, uh, but he quarterbacked a commander's offense that went 7-15 on third downs. By the way, Sam did all of this despite not a single one of the commander's top three receivers having a big game. Terry McLaurin had some significant receptions, but he finished with just four receptions for 33 yards on eight targets and playing on 87% of the commander's offensive snaps. How about Jahan Dodson? No receptions on two targets and playing on 95% of the commander's offensive snaps. And Curtis Samuel was back. He returned from a one-game absence caused by a toe injury. He had two receptions for six yards on six targets and playing on 51% of the commander's offensive snaps. So Terry, Jahan, and Curtis had a combined six receptions for a combined 
39 yards, and yet Sam threw for 312 and three touchdowns. Go figure. Uh, Sam Howell for this game was the fourth highest graded qualified commanders player per pro football focus with an overall grade of 68.4. Now, PFF grades are on a scale a 0 to 100. 68.4 actually isn't that good, but that had him as the fourth highest graded qualified commanders player for the game. Uh, Sam became the first Washington quarterback to have at least 300 passing yards in each of three consecutive regular season games since the man <laughs> who I refer to as you-know-who. I will not say his name because that triggers too many people. You-know-who in December 2000. 15. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on what, if anything, Sam Howell in the loss at the Seahawks demonstrated in the way of progress. Well, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, there's not a lot of things that are standing out that all of a sudden you go, oh, wow, that's new. Um, because I think he's gotten to a point where he's done a lot of good things. He's, he's putting a lot of things together. Um, you know, he's still growing. He's still learning. And by no means is he there. But, you know, again, it, it, it's some consistency because we had a little bit of a lull where, where we, we, we didn't uh, convert. I think it was like uh, three or four series in a row. And, and we had opportunities to convert as an offense, and we didn't. So, you know, some of that has to happen. I mean, you, you've, you've got to be able to be consistent throughout the game. You know, start fast, play smart, and finish strong. I mean, that, that's what we've got to be able to do. And in that little low where it's three or four series in a row where we're, we're going out after three or four snaps, um, you know, we've got to be more consistent with that. And, and that's all part of the growth as well. Yeah, the lull was that good. The commanders over the second to third quarters on Sunday had a stretch of six offensive drives for which the results were a loss fumble, four punts, and a field goal. The first three drives of that stretch were Three and outs. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on how the commanders can avoid an offensive lull like the one that happened in the loss at the Seahawks. Well, it's about making plays. It's about being consistent. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing, whether it's something that goes up up front with the uh, with the line or something with the execution or, or, or maybe there could have been a different call. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's still trying to find our footing as a unit, and, and that's for you know, both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively. I mean, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that collectively, somewhere along the line, something is still you know being developed and learning and understanding. So Ron Rivera is big on talking about development, uh, in no small part because that helps to excuse the lack of winning. Uh, but it is true that the commander's offense is developing when you consider a new offensive coordinator for the team, working with a new starting quarterback, working with a revamped offensive line. All three entities, though, are coming along, and it is the how that is perhaps more surprising than the what. The Commanders have become this ultra-pass-happy team. We have gone from Ron Rivera and General Manager Martin Mayhew at their joint season-ending press conference this past January 10th, essentially giving us a love sonnet to running game-oriented offense to the formula, as it had become known, to now Eric Bieniemy in his first season as Commanders assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, basically running an air raid offense, okay? I mean... It really is something when you think about where we were versus where we are. Now, you know me. I love 
what the commanders are doing offensively. I'm a big fan of how Eric Bieniemy is running this commander's offense. I think that him being so pass-happy has helped to expedite the development of Sam Howell. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on the commanders going from the formula uh, to now being so pass-heavy. When I started out, you know, looking for uh, a new coordinator, you know, I, I, I had a number of candidates. I had uh, about 11 or 12 in total. Um, looked at a lot of resumes and then had a number of, of interviews that I brought guys in and, and spent a lot of time with them. And one thing you did see was you, you did see from a lot of these, these, these guys is the pass, especially the quick game, the quick passing game, the, the, a lot of them consider the extended handoff. And, you know, we really seem to be getting that in sync an awful lot, the, the, the quick throws, um, the throws to the backs. I mean, how many times did our backs catch the ball in the flat? How many times did our, our backs catch just running a little simple circle out of the backfield? Um, so to, to, to look at it and say, you know, that's just an extended handoff, that kind of goes along the way with running the ball. But the actual runs, and, and when you see them, especially we saw it in the second half, there are a couple of things that, that, that we wanted to get to and we got to, and, and you really saw it. We, I think it was, uh, we had four runs in a row that were over six, seven yards each, and we really saw us take a couple of chunks, and I think that helped open up some things downfield. So those are some of the things that looking at what we're, we've been working on and what we're trying to get synced to with our passing game, I think that's part of it. So what Ron Rivera in that answer got into was a criticism of the commander's offense in the loss at the Seahawks and in other games this season. Not enough running plays, not enough carries by running backs. Uh, Eric Biennemi at his weekly pre-practice press conferences on Thursdays has become almost apologetic about not calling more running plays, although that may just be lip service because he keeps apologizing or nearly apologizing, but then he keeps calling a ton of passing plays. Uh, I'm probably in the minority on this. I don't agree with this idea that Eric Bieniemy needs to be calling more running plays. I don't at all buy into the idea of balance, i.e. having an equal number of passing plays and running plays. I think that that is one of the most overrated concepts in football. Uh, I like the commanders going with a lot of passing plays because passing is more efficient than running. And in this case, going with a lot of passing plays is speeding up the development of a quarterback who just may be the answer for the commanders at quarterback. And bottom line, the pass-heavy approach that Eric Bieniemy is going with is working. Washington is having its best offensive season in years. The commanders for this regular season, as of games through Sunday, ranked 16th out of 32 NFL teams in yards per play. Now, that may not sound like much, 16th out of 32, but here are Washington's rankings in the NFL in yards per play for each of the previous five regular seasons. 2022, 28th. 2021, 22nd. 2020, 31st. 2019, 27th. 2018, 28th. Washington has not finished a regular season higher than 22nd in the NFL in yards per play since 2017, and yet this regular season, as of games through Sunday, ranked 16th in yards per play. So the Eric Bieniemy air raid approach is working, and he deserves credit for that. You, as an NFL offense, should do what works. If that means throwing the football, so be it. If that means running the football, so be it. But what Eric Bieniemy is doing is working. Now, 
That doesn't mean that the commander's offense is perfect. It isn't. Uh, That doesn't mean that there maybe haven't been some occasions on which Eric should have gone with the run some more. But the focus on Eric Bieniemy not calling more running plays to me is ridiculous. The commanders in the loss at the Seahawks ran 61 offensive plays, 47 passing plays versus 14 running plays, and two of the running plays were design runs by Sam Howell. So just 12 total carries by commanders running backs. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on not having more running plays in the loss at the Seahawks. And prepare yourself for the playing of the Sam Howell card. I think part of this too, more than anything else, for me personally, has been the growth of this quarterback. And that's one of the things that we've talked about extensively throughout this season is that having him throw the ball, having them stay out there in the games and throwing the ball has helped in his growth and development. And we're getting to a point where we are right now because of that. And we'll continue to see how it goes because one thing that I told you guys I was committed to, and, and that was you know, Sam. I think that this is a guy that's going to give us an opportunity going forward, and we'll continue to work on that. Yeah, so Ron Rivera right there playing the Sam Howell card, but Ron was right in what he said. And let's also make this clear. There are carries for running backs, and there are touches for running backs. Touches matter more than carries. Touches are carries plus receptions. Do you know who the commander's top two players in terms of touches were in the loss at the Seahawks? Running backs, Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. Robinson had eight carries for 38 yards and had six receptions for 119 yards and a touchdown on six targets. He played on 51% of the commander's offensive snaps. He, for the game, was the highest graded qualified commander's player for Pro Football Focus with an overall grade of 84.2. Gibson had four carries for 13 yards and had five receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown on six targets. He played on 48% of the commander's offensive snaps. Gibson, for the game, was the fifth highest graded qualified commander's player per Pro Football Focus overall grade of 67.5. Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson in the loss at the Seahawks were very much involved and were productive. And look, their runs and receptions were huge on the commander's 10th offensive drive, which resulted in Sam Howell's fourth quarter, first and 10, 19-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Antonio Gibson. The first snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 27. Robinson had a great 15-yard under center handoff run. Second snap of the drive and a first and 10 for the commanders at their 42. Robinson, a 12-yard under center handoff run. Third snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Seahawks, 46. Gibson had a five-yard under center handoff run. Seventh snap of the drive on a second and 10 for the commanders at the Seahawks, 35. Sam had a 16-yard shotgun completion to Robinson on a pass across the middle on which Robinson gained 13 yards after the catch. So again, if you want to say that there have been some occasions on which Eric Bieniemy should have gone with the run some more fine, that's not unreasonable. But from a macro level, what Eric Bieniemy is doing is working. Uh, I mentioned the yak for Brian Robinson on that 16-yard reception. Commander's tight ends in the loss at the Seahawks were great at producing yak. Uh, Logan Thomas, he had five receptions for 40 yards on five targets and playing on 74% of the commander's offensive snaps. Take you back 
to the Commanders' third offensive drive. Uh, it resulted in kicker Joey Sly's second quarter 49-yard field goal for a 9-3 Commanders lead. The sixth snap of the drive, the second snap of the second quarter on a third and two for the Commanders at their 49. Sam Howell had a 17-yard shotgun completion to Logan Thomas, who generated 15 yards after the catch. And John Bates, of course, known more as a blocker than as a pass catcher, but he on Sunday had three receptions for 21 yards on three targets and playing on 41% of the commander's offensive snaps. Bates for the game was the third highest graded qualified commander's player per pro football focus overall grade of 73.7. The commander's first offensive drive, the uh, opening drive of the game resulted in the Sam Howell first quarter, second and eight. 51-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Brian Robinson. The second snap of that drive on a second and 10 for the Commanders at their 35. Sam had a 12-yard shotgun completion to Bates, who fought for eight yards after the catch. And on that drive that resulted in the Joey Sly second quarter 49-yard field goal, the fourth snap of that drive, the last snap of the first quarter on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 41, Sam Howell had a nine-yard shotgun completion to Bates on a quick toss play on which Bates generated 10 yards after the catch. You know, Cole Turner on Sunday was a healthy inactive for a second time in three games. His stock is going down, but good stuff from Logan Thomas and John Bates on Sunday. And good stuff from Manscaped. Uh, Good stuff to take care of your stuff. (laughs) Uh, The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is a revolutionary personal trimmer that will give you the ultimate below-the-waist grooming experience. And you can have the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra via a great deal. Manscaped is hooking up listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code GALDI, and get 20% off plus free shipping. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is the best below-the-waist electric shaver ever. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra features skin-safe blade heads so that you avoid nixing cuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra features an LED spotlight so that you don't miss a spot, even in, shall we say, low-tight situations. <laughs> uh, and the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is waterproof, so you can groom wet or dry. Also, you can get the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra as part of Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, which also includes the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Trimmer, Manscaped's Liquid Formulations, and two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 and the Shed 2.0 Toiletry Bag. Manscaped products are great. They also make for great gifts, but take advantage of what Manscaped is offering to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, for 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com, promo code GALDI, for 20% off plus free shipping. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. All right, one more thing that I, on this installment of the podcast, wanted to get into with you regarding the Commander's 29-26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. We, for a second time in this Commander's 2023 regular season, had a legitimate discussion of whether the Commanders should have gone for a two-point conversion late in a game that they ultimately lost. Uh, The first instance was in the 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 4. Quarterback Sam Howell connected on a second and goal, 10-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dodson with no time left in the fourth quarter to cut the commander's deficit to 31-30. But head coach Ron Rivera had kicker Joey Sly attempt the extra point, which he made uh, as opposed to going for the win via going for two. Well, The commanders in this loss at the Seahawks got a Sam Howell, third and 10, 35-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver De'Ami Brown with 52 seconds left in the fourth quarter to cut the commander's deficit to 26-25. But Ron Rivera had Joey Sly attempt the extra point, which he made as opposed to going for a one-point lead via going for two. And there has been a good bit of conversation about whether Ron should have gone for two, even though the commanders ended up losing by three. Now, this is tricky because Joey Sly missed that extra point attempt that followed the Sam Howell first quarter, second at eight, 51-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Bride Robinson Jr. as the ball hit the left upright. Uh, the snap by long snapper Cameron Cheeseman on that extra point attempt was high as the Cheeseman on Sunday was all over the place with his long snaps. But Joey Sly missing that extra point attempt was a factor in whether to go for two after the Diami Brown touchdown reception, both in terms of the commanders trailing by one as opposed to being tied, and whether you could trust the cheese man to get off a decent long snap. But generally speaking, the lesser of two teams in a game should err on the side of going for two late in the game if doing so means winning the game. The idea for the lesser team uh, should be to shorten the game, right? Not lengthen the game by sending it overtime because the longer that the game goes, the more likely that it is that the more talented team will win. The more likely 
that it is that the cream will rise to the top. Uh, Additionally, advancing two yards for a game-winning two-point conversion is a lot easier than winning out in overtime. But all of that said, the situation in the loss at the Seahawks was different than the situation in the overtime loss at the Eagles. Going for two in the game at the Eagles was going for the win. Going for two at the Seahawks was going for the lead, as there still were 52 seconds left in the fourth quarter. So the two situations were different. Personally, I think that Ron Rivera on Sunday should have gone for two because had the commanders gotten two, then all that they needed to do was get a defensive stop, which, of course, the team did not get. Uh, But all the commanders needed to do was get the defensive stop and the game would have been over. But this circumstance at the Seahawks was different than that circumstance at the Eagles. Uh, Now, what also stands out to me is that the explanations (laughs) by Ron Rivera for each instance of not going for two uh, rather rough. Uh, So Ron, in his postgame press conference after the overtime loss at the Eagles, said that a reason for not going for two was that the commanders were fatigued. Uh, Okay, well, then wouldn't going for two be better than having a fatigued team playing at overtime, period? Uh, And then Ron, in his postgame press conference after the loss at the Seahawks, seemed to bring up analytics, but he did so in his typical, awkward, choppy way when discussing analytics. Here was Ron during his postgame presser on Sunday evening, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Ron on whether he considered going for two after the De'Ami Brown touchdown reception. Um, you know, in talking and, and, and trying to get a feel for it, the, the, the biggest thing that you get concerned with is how much time was left. Because again, when they don't have consequences, now the opportunity to move the ball down comes into play. You know what I'm saying? Because they had two timeouts left. Um, so again, it was one of those things that I liked our chances going into overtime. I, I liked the way that we moved the ball. You know, we found a couple of things that we felt we could exploit, and we did. You know, we did it twice um, the, the last couple of drives. So it just felt good going into overtime. Before you talked about the importance of the philosophy of going to two on the road, was it, was it the time thing specifically here, or is that more of a philosophical shift? Well, it, it, it's in the numbers, okay, and how much time was left, and that's the biggest thing. <laughs> so Ron Rivera, quote, it's in the numbers, okay? How much time was left, and that's the biggest thing, <laughs> end quote. Now look, Post-game press conference after a close loss, I get that a head coach probably isn't going to be Shakespeare up there at the podium answering questions. Understood, all right? But, you know, Ron Rivera, whenever he talks about analytics, or should I say tries to talk about analytics, just does not come off well. He does not come off like he has a true command of the topic. You know, Ron, in that cut that I just played for you, bringing up the amount of time left in the fourth quarter was more than fair and more than acceptable. But again, whenever he brings up analytics or he cites analytics, he comes across like someone who has no idea (laughs) what he's talking about or at the very least cannot convey what he's talking about. Well, it's in the numbers, okay, Uh, how much time was left. And that's the biggest thing. Yes, thank you, Ron. (laughs) We got it. Uh, Underdog Fantasy. It is the best and easiest place to play 
fantasy sports a lot easier than Rod Rivera trying to talk about analytics. And Underdog Fantasy is offering a special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption, but it keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Well, the Wizards are rebuilding. To get worked up over any Wizards loss this season is silly. That said, what... (laughs) a loss for the Wiz on Monday night. They fell to 2-8 and eight in this 2023-2024 NBA regular season with a 111-107 loss at the Toronto Raptors. The Wizards in this game blew a 23-point third quarter lead. They, in the third quarter, led 71-48. They then lost the rest of the game 63 63- 36. But it wasn't just that. The Wizards went scoreless over the final 5 minutes, 46 seconds of the game. Yes, no points over the final 5 minutes, 46 seconds of the game. The Wizards went from leading 107-95 to losing 111-107. They allowed the Raptors to end the game on a 16-0 run. Uh, This was shades of what happened on January 25th. 2022, a 116-115 Wizards loss to the Los Angeles Clippers at Capital One Arena. The Wizards in that game blew a 35-point second quarter lead. Uh, The Wizards in this loss at the Raptors actually held the Raptors to just 420 on threes, but got maimed inside the paint. The Wizards' lack of size and lack of toughness are killing them. Uh, The Wizards allowed the Raptors to score 76 points in the paint. The Wizards got victimized by six foot eight Pascal Siakam. He, in 37 minutes, 32 seconds as a starter, had 39 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, and three steals. He did commit six turnovers, but he went 15 of 20 
on twos. Did go 0-3 on threes and just 9-14 of on free throws, but he had a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 18. Also, the Wizards once again got worked on the boards. This has really been an issue over these last few games for the Wiz. Uh, They had just eight offensive rebounds to the Raptors' 16 and thus just nine second-chance points to the Raptors' 18. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, he in 37 minutes, 57 seconds as a starter, went 4-7 on threes, 10-18 of on twos, and 2-3 on free throws. He finished with 34 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. Hard to complain about that, right? Well, he also committed six of the Wizards' 22 turnovers, including committing three turnovers in a fourth quarter that the Wizards lost 30-16. Yeah, the Wizards in the fourth quarter got nearly doubled up, losing that quarter 30-16. A lot went into this collapse by the Wizards. Uh, You know, another guy who was supposed to be leading the way for the Wizards, Jordan Poole, he's struggling. Uh, Poole on Monday night, 35 minutes, 11 seconds as a starter. He went 2-6 on threes, just 4-10 on twos. He did not generate a single free throw attempt He committed four turnovers. He scored just 14 points. Uh, Did have six assists, four rebounds, and three steals. But Jordan Poole, over his last four games, is a mere six of 24 on threes. Uh, No Danilo Gallinari for the Wizards on Monday night. He did not play due to rest. And the Wizards are without DeLon Wright uh, due to the left knee sprain that he suffered in their 124-117 loss to the Charlotte Hornets at Capital One Arena this past Friday night. Uh, Again, Wizards are rebuilding, so you can't be like that livid over what happened on Monday night. But geez, this was some loss. A bad loss for the Wizards. A bad loss for head coach Wes Unsell Jr. Wes did not play Daniel Gafford at all in the fourth quarter, despite the Wizards getting wrecked in the paint in this game. Uh, Next up for the Wizards, home to the Dallas Mavericks Wednesday night at 7 as, (laughs) yes, the great Luka Doncic is coming to town. What might he do against the Wizards? Uh, Well, Game Time on Monday was offering flash deals on tickets to Wizards Mavericks. Uh, When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, Also, game time is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app and use that promo code ALGALDI. Game Time, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, the historic episode 700. We'll include a lot for you on the Commanders, not one, but two guests, as we'll have a conversation with Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic and a conversation with longtime New York Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN in New York to tell us about the Commander's next opponent, the G-Men. Paul has covered the G-Men since 1983. Uh, Also on Wednesday's show, I'll talk Capitals and Virginia basketball. The Caps are home to the Vegas Golden Knights Tuesday night at 7. The Cavaliers are home to North Carolina A&T Tuesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Well, it, it, it's in the numbers, okay, and how much time was left, and that's the biggest thing. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.